ahead. Spoilers ahead. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the 345th annual Max Mike Movies Oscar Show. Can you believe we've been doing this for so long? Of course you can't, because this is the first time we've done it. I just blew your minds, didn't I? Kaboom. But yes, naturally with Mike, it would be a very small explosion. Kaboom. (laughs) But yes, here are our thoughts on the recent 92nd annual Academy Awards. Actually, the only 92nd annual Academy Awards. It's not like there's a whole bunch of 92nd Academy Awards. But this is the most recent. The, The night the stars remind us how great they are. We'll be talking about the Best Picture nominees and the winner. Ooh, spoilers. And who knows, maybe Eminem will suddenly show up in the middle of our show. Okay, no. No, he won't. But we're here, even though, like the Oscars, this show has no actual host. So I'm one of your imaginary hosts, Max Levine, and with me, as always, is the always fictional host, Mike Luce. I'm not saying anything, there's no host. So, Mike, the big question, who are you wearing? Uh, I think his name's Fred. (laughs) (laughs) I, of course, am wearing the unconscious body of a hobo I found down by the train tracks. Is that what that smell is? (laughs) It is, yeah. yeah. I I like to think of it as pungent. (laughs) Hobo. Hobo. What, are you going to an ether frolic later? (laughs) Yes, I am. I am. I've got the term out of this, the serialized Fitzgerald in Collier's. Yeah, (laughs) Collier's. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Patton. Um... (laughs) So, yes, we're doing the Oscars. Tonight's the Oscars. Well, no, not tonight. Or today. Because uh, we're very topical, meaning that the Oscars was, of course, by the time you hear this, about two weeks ago. But, you know, we figure all the fervor has died down. You have, to- have had time to think about things. You know, uh, you Joaquin- forget about things. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix's speech no longer has you dizzy, confused, and slightly ill. Uh, I mean, his wasn't as bad as Renee's, because... Renee's, which is very confusing. But we'll get to all that, maybe. Yes. We'll get to some of that. So, we'll just start with some questions. What did we think of the show overall, just as, as a piece of entertainment, as a thing to watch? One of the problems with it, some years, is it feels very long. Did it feel that way? Was it entertaining? Mike? Yeah. Uh, I have to give it an overall yes. It, it was a show. Uh, and it wasn't focus. Yes, it was. Uh, I have to commend them on the focus of the entire show. I'd never once thought, hey, this is kind of fuzzy. Um, no, no, that's not fair. I actually thought, entertainment-wise, that the, except for a couple of the Best Song nominees, the entertainment was actually really good. Uh, the opening number with Janelle Monet, I thought was spectacular. Yeah, that was I, really impressive. I mean, I, she's amazing anyway, but she was all over the place, and there's people coming out of the, the cracks and up and down the aisles. I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, none of the numbers felt... Who's that woman who did the, the who did Fame? Debbie something. Oh, Debbie... Oh, Lord. None of them felt like <laughs> Fame. Yeah. None of them felt like Debbie Harry. No, not Debbie Harry. <laughs> no, not Debbie <laughs> Harry. What, I don't remember her yeah. name. Uh, but, you know, she is going to live forever. Especially uh, that Coco. I didn't feel like there was too much of it. I thought it was a good balance. And I think that there's one thing that the organizers of the Oscars should learn. They can't be on time. Because there was <laughs> there was really only like two people who had long speeches. And the show was still half an hour late. So yeah. it felt to me like the show was very much, hey, we got to do this and we're done. And next. And we're done. And next. And, we're... and it went. It flowed very quickly. But it's like, nope, this show does not fit in three hours. It's just not going to do it. So they have two options the way i can see it one cut out half the awards two just say fine we're gonna go at 11 30 which point they go to 12 but whatever so i don't have a problem because some years it feels very long it feels you feel every minute and i didn't think i thought this moved along nicely i didn't feel like uh, i was it was dragging i didn't go oh for god's sake get to the last one get to the ones we care about no no i i would agree um I thought that uh, it was, there was very obvious effort at diversity. Unfortunately, all of that effort was for the entertainment. None yeah. of it was for the nominees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, except for Korea. Um, 
that being said, uh, people did get their digs in, so to speak. Um, it was, I'm sorry, was it Natalie Portman who had the dress? Yes, Natalie Portman had the dress with the names of all of the female directors who did not get nominated on it. Right. That was pretty and cute. We, and we, and we, I, they, there was that young man, I think he was from Iran, uh, don't quote me on that, who had a little thing to say before he did his presentation, which was okay. fine. Um, so it was... I think it was funny by not having a host, uh, maybe they hoped things wouldn't be as political. And it turned out that without a host, it was actually more political than it usually is. Yeah. But that's fine because I think that the Oscars needs it. I think Hollywood needs it. So, and I didn't find anybody too egregious. I just found one or two people like, um, we need a verb, Senator. Uh, <laughs> I just don't know where you're going. Yeah. And, I didn't oh, have a, you don't either. <laughs> I didn't really have a problem with the political content of the speeches. What I had problem with was the grammar of some of them or the rambling weird confusing nature of a couple we're looking right at you Ms. Zellweger congratulations yeah. but come on yeah she kind of wins for the have and, and uh thing to say with stuff and um it just uh, reminded me of, of that remember that viral thing of the Miss America pageant who just completely went up on her her question and just you know I believe that the children and geography and the future of the country with math and you know just totally went to the zoo as they say I'm a freshman in my fourth year at UCLA and my goal is to become a veterinarian because I love children and it was clear I mean if this woman wasn't stupid it's just she just completely like nope complete brain freeze just maybe speeches are just not her thing unless yeah. they're written out for her but although yeah. she seemed to have and never mind yeah, whatever yeah. Yeah, or the um, strangeness with Diane Keaton and Keanu Reeves. Uh, that was a couple. <laughs> I mean, Keanu was trying, but Diane, I don't know if just... I think she may have had a few at the bar, or is that just the way she is? I think she was one digit short of a phone number. Yeah. Um, it's like, we can't connect you, Miss Keaton. Uh, <laughs> add another quarter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, What, did, what it, did you think of the fact that there was no host? They made a big deal out of that. This is the second time in a row... When they have gone hostless. I will tell you this much. I remember absolutely nothing about last year's Oscars. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's partially because there was no host. I think the show flowed fine, but it lacked a personality. And yeah. the sad thing is, is that as has been found out, um, doing the Oscars is an exceedingly thankful, thankless job. Ooh, yeah. Nobody enjoys doing it. You don't get paid much for doing it. And all you get is social media giving you a hard time the next day. Yeah, it, apparently it is like the most picked over performance. A lot of people have said, I have never had any performance I ever did as criticized as minutely as when I hosted the Oscars. I think this even happened to Billy Crystal. And Billy Crystal of, boy, I can't even say most recent. I know he came back a few years ago, but of the more modern hosts was is my favorite. Uh, Johnny Carson was great too, but Billy yeah. Crystal, he made it a thing. You know, you loved seeing his little opening pastiche number where he shows up in all the movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. You loved his songs. Um, he was able to poke fun at Hollywood and get away with it, at least as far as I was concerned. Yeah. He could really pull the show. That being said, there were some other people I really liked. I really liked David Letterman. I thought he was I, so much fun. To this day, I can't tell if his whole idea was, I don't want to be asked back. <laughs> I, I, just, I wouldn't be I, surprised. Um, who, there was somebody else who did it that we liked. John too, Stewart. That, I liked John his, Stewart. I thought he was terrific, and they never... and. The same, he had the same problem with David Letterman, and here I'm up on my soapbox a bit. Hollywood and the Academy, they don't like it when people are not awed by the responsibility of being a host of the Oscars. Yeah. You should be impressed. You should be so impressed that you are here for this greatest of nights, this most, this is more important than the Nobel Prize, than the, you know, Congressional Medal of Honor. This is the Oscar. This is the greatest thing on earth, and you should feel that. And David Letterman and John Stewart could not have cared less, and they knew how, you know, it, what is it, Raymond Chandler, I always liked his quote, he said, the Oscars of the night Hollywood tries to kiss itself on the back of the neck. He was being kind. He was. What you're saying is that John Stewart and David Letterman yeah. didn't kneel before Zod. Yeah, they did not <laughs> kneel before Zod, they didn't even bow their head before Zod. Yeah. Yeah, no, and... They were a lot of fun. I am I am sorry they didn't come back. The thing with Billy Crystal is he wasn't a sycophant. He just, you could tell he loved movies. He loved all of it. 
and he loved being part of it, but he was not in awe. And he managed to carry that off partly because he just comes across as so likable. Which brings me to a, a question I've been trying to think about, and I've, I'm not entirely sure. Who would you like to see host the Oscars? Are the people out there today? I mean, never, it, setting aside, because Billy Crystal, I think, has said he's never going to do it again. Who, who so, would you like to see? Me. You know, I think that could work. <laughs> I just don't go up there and do fart jokes. And, you know, that would, uh... <laughs> That's, you know what would be great? You went up there and didn't make any attempt to explain who you were. <laughs> and just let the whole the audience spend the whole night going. Is that the guy who was in this movie, or is that some producer? You know, that right, I think would be hilarious. I would be looking out at the audience, all looking in their phones, trying to look me up and figure out who the hell I was. Actually, you know, yep. I think that's actually a good idea. Let's just <laughs> silently. Hollywood doesn't say anything to anybody that don't announce to host that everyone assumes it's hostless and then when the show starts some guy or yeah. some woman just gets up there and starts talking and they think did they just like break through security yeah, it's, it's like, like I, and they're not in a tux you yep. know maybe just some maybe guy who a- works at the subway down the street <laughs> hey, come here some- you busy you got three and a half hours can you yeah. read cue cards and not just just don't talk about it at all. Don't make reference to some <laughs> some person, random person. They would never uh, do that, but that would be hilarious. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, I didn't answer your other question. Do I think it worked not having a host? Sure. I just don't think it had as much personality yeah. as when it did. And to be fair, there's been people who did a really good job, and yet you don't remember them. Like Wolverine. He did a, oh, a yeah. fine job. Uh, I don't remember really much. Uh, I didn't. I think he did a decent job. I didn't care for his style, but Jimmy Kimmel was okay. Um, did not oh, care right. at I all forgot. for Jimmy Kimmel um, did it. Peter Brady. What is his name? Oh, um, Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> Peter did Brady. Not... He does. He, he looks he like does Peter Brady. He does kind of look like Peter Brady. Yeah. Uh, I just I do not like Seth MacFarlane at all, and I also remember him his jokes just a lot of them falling flat. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. He but, didn't he didn't work that well, but yeah, there are a lot we've just. I got to say, I like it when there's a host because it was like you said, it gives the show a little more personality. I think it worked in terms of efficiency and moving along and pacing and such. The show was, you know, competent, but it was colorless. It was just kind of not, it it was just like this happens and now this happens. I like having a host because it kind of ties it together. Even if it's just something like, who was it? Sarah Jessica Parker? Someone, Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah, Sarah, yep. She, I think it was her. She might have hosted one year, and her thing was she changed costumes literally between every time she was on stage, and that was kind of fun. It's like, and every costume got wilder and wilder. I, yeah, I'd rather have a personality. Uh, apparently, the viewing public would think so too because viewership was down mm. sharply this year. Um, Again, I, you know, I think also people are just tired of the whole thing. Mm. And it's like, yeah, whatever. Um, it used to be, I mean, to be fair, we've, we've watched these for years and years and years. Um, it's rare that our favorite film wins. And quite honestly, does it really matter that much? Like, I don't, I I think there was an upswing in attendance, people going to see Parasite or renting Parasite. Oops. I gave it away. Uh, I'm sorry. You don't know what one best picture at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, No sympathy. Sorry. And so I'm sure there's a monetary. Oh yeah. No, no. I gotta disagree with you. There is. The, the Oscars make an enormous amount of difference in just in terms of the fine, both the finances and influencing what kind of movies are made the next year, because they're indicators. They're saying, oh, okay, this was successful. The this is how we want to represent. This is the sort of movie we decided to represent the industry worldwide. So that makes that's an issue. But then that doesn't always equate to a boost in your career cuba gooding jr um no sled well, dogs that, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, was a, you're talking about actors there and the acting well, nominations are very different because yeah there are all sorts the worst thing in the world apparently is to be a really young actor and win best supporting or an academy award because a lot of those guys i think anna paquin's one of the few who did that and still did well afterwards yeah i 
Yeah, I don't know. You could say really that the influence of Best Picture is one of those things that teaches Hollywood the wrong lesson, which it learns over and over again. It's like, oh, this film did well because of this reason, when it's in fact not that reason at all. So what lesson do you think they're going to learn from Parasite? Ah, all our films next year should be entirely um, starring Koreans. Is that what yeah. they're going to learn? I, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't mind if they thought, hey, you know, if the lesson they take away is, you know what? Uh, international movies with subti- subtitles don't necessarily frighten everyone away. I, I'd be interested to see how much money Parasite made, because I'm willing to bet that in the States... It, I, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm going to disagree. I think subtitles are still something that is somewhat elitist. And I don't mean that the film is made elitist because it has subtitles. I just think that there's much fewer people going to the theater that will tolerate subtitles. I am maybe I, I don't know. I think that that's uh, pretty subjective. We don't have any kind of data on that, except it's true that most international films don't. I, I also, by the way, just on a separate, I like the fact that they changed the name of the award from best foreign film to best international film. It's, yeah, feels yeah. more inclusive. It's a nicer thing. Foreign immediately calls something other. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's true. International films don't do as well in the in in this country. That's just that's true. Yeah. We want to see white people, damn it, doing white things. <laughs> yep, yep. White, 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 white. Yeah. Although, hey, you know, two years ago, Moonlight won, and yeah. man, was I shocked with that, because I really liked that movie, and was like, I don't even, this is, no one's going to even see this, and then it got nominated, and it's like, well, that was nice, and I was like, it's not going to win anything, and then, of course, they messed it up, and it almost didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. So, uh, and, uh, as who's who, who I want to host, I don't know. Um, uh, I would like to, you know what? I'd like it to be a comedian that's not comfortable yet. You I'd like I mean? to see. I'd like to see Patton Oswalt host. I think he would be great because not only is he funny, edgy, and known, but not terribly mainstream. He <laughs> loves movies. He's a movie nut. He does. Um, I I kind of would like to see. Jim Gaffigan from like 10 years ago, back <laughs> oh. when Jim Gaffigan didn't care if he had an audience or not. So uh. for those who don't know Jim Gaffigan, uh, if, you, if you've ever heard the bit about Hot Pocket, that's him. Hot and Pocket. His early bits, it was really funny because I swear he literally did not care if there was anybody listening or not. Because he would tell a joke and when people were laughing, he'd adopt this voice that was meant to be somebody in the audience who was confused about his jokes. So he would play both parts. <laughs> Yeah, he I would actually it. love to see Jim Gaffigan up there, just going. I don't know why he's making fun of my movie. I was really good in it, you know, or something like that. So, or I'd like to see one of the you know more outspoken comics like Paula Poundstone. I think she would be a lot of fun on the Oscars. Uh, or, or, um, and I just heard her. She was, um, she's a black comedian. Oh, I can't think of her name. I just Tiffany, heard her on Tiffany Haddish. Huh? Yes, yes. Uh, Somebody she, like that. She would rip it apart. It'd be great. She'd only get to do it once. There'd be craters all over the place and, like, <laughs> shrapnel. But who cares? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, so there are people. I would like to... So my, I'd like to see a host. I don't insist on it. But if they had one, I'd like it to... Like you say, somebody with a bit of an edge. Someone who isn't yeah. afraid or overawed. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned earlier about the musical numbers, that uh, they were at least competent. Hey, were there any? Uh, oh yeah. wait! Do you mean the do you mean the nominees or the numbers themselves? I mean the nominees, the, the oh, production numbers for the for the five songs that were um, for the uh, how many songs? How, how many songs? Some. Okay. Are you uh, sure? No. <laughs> hey, I, I remember that 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 short Randy guy was there. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. What Randy Milhouse or something? Right? <laughs> uh, I. I This is a very prejudiced thing to say, but I'm really tired of Randy Newman. Very, very, very tired. (laughs) Yeah, I think Randy Newman is getting tired of Randy Newman. (laughs) No, the 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 one musical thing I liked, and it wasn't even that I thought the song was that terrific. Was it was? It's always so much fun to watch Elton John play. Yeah, and that's fine. And Um, I'm glad he won. I mean, that's nice. Again, the song didn't. I liked Rocket Man. That song, the original song, was not my favorite in the movie, but. You know, he should get an Oscar for being Elton John. Excuse me, another Oscar. (laughs) Another Oscar for, well, something other than Lion King. I thought it was nice that Bernie Taupin was up on stage. Because, like, those two have been writing songs for 40-something years. Um, And it was just, like, nice that he was up there, too. Um, I don't have any problem with him winning. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, there have been years where I really hope one song will win and it doesn't. Um, it gets beaten out by freaking Tarzan and Phil Collins. Uh, yes, I'm still angry about that. Um, mostly, though, I find there are songs that, you know, in this case, this is one of those sort of annoying entries. It's like, hey, we're going to have this movie with all Elton John music, but we're going to write one new one just in case someone wants to nominate us. Well, that happens and all the time. I they know. Do, they, did that, they did that in Cats! Cats! They added a song, and I remember they did that with um, Little Shop of Horrors. They added that song, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, just because they want, they're hoping for a nomination. Yeah. Hey, Back. how much money do you think that brings a movie? Hey, we got best song. Okay. Yeah. I should go see that, because the song's three minutes, the movie's two and a half hours, I'm yeah, sure. That one I don't think brings so much money for the movie, but I bet you it brings a lot more work for the songwriter. Eh, that's probably true. Um, yeah, musical song numbers, they were fine. Yeah, um, they were just utterly forgettable. I don't remember... Yeah. I remember almost nothing about any of the songs. Sadly, we, I'd, I'd forgotten not only that he played, but that he won. Uh, uh, Elton John, until you just mentioned it, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, he was there. Yeah, uh, he was. I, you know what, quite honestly, most of the Oscars goes that way. Like the opening numbers, like the Billy Crystal bits, I remember. The opening number with Janelle Monet, I remember, because it was like, oh my God, this is nuts. Um, and then there's like all the stuff in the middle, and then there's best actor, actress, and picture. Yeah. And, you know, maybe director, maybe screenplay. But Some probably years not. I remember the songs. I remembered, well, I guess it was last year when they did uh, Shallows from uh, the umpteenth remake of A Star is Born, and they had Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga out singing it. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was really nice. But yeah. it's true. Most of them, like, you have to go back a long ways. One of the ones I remember is when they did Under the Sea. For Little Mermaid back in umpte year umpteen four or whatever it was, <laughs> and I mainly remember that because the main singer was the guy from the Seven Up commercials, you know, the Uncola, Jeffrey Holder. Yeah, he's he, oh, and I can't even say he sang it; he sort of recited it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that and of okay. course Robin Williams's interesting take on Blame Canada, which I yeah. still think should have won over Phil well, Collins. I had to vote for Amy Mann, but that, that oh, was yeah. that year. It, Trey Parker and Matt Stone said that year, it's like, you know, we lost to Phil Collins. It would have been okay if we lost to Amy Mann. Amy Mann was cool, but Phil Collins? My grandchildren yeah. aren't even going to speak to me. It wasn't even like a good Phil Collins song. No, it was and they do unmemorable. They do exist, by the way. Uh, who does? Good Phil Collins songs. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm not a fan of Phil Collins. That's fine. But it was not... I, I don't remember... A, I, I, until you just mentioned that, I forgot there were songs in Tarzan because I don't remember that movie. I don't remember that movie at all. Um, not one of Disney's better films. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, whatever. I mean, I there are certain moments that we'll never forget, like the streaker when David Niven was, was up on stage. Um, yeah, I don't think we actually were watching then. Uh, I actually do have a vague memory of really? watching it. Oh, yeah, I wasn't. but I, maybe I've just seen the clip too many times. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. I think that quite honestly, the Oscars are an excuse to get together. And although I didn't drink uh, <laughs> do other sorts of other forms of entertainment, um, it's so rare that I honestly care what movie won. Although we'll talk about this year's nominations, I'm sure. Yeah. Now, um, to those of you who don't know, and that's probably only a couple of you because nah. our friends listen but uh <laughs> yeah hi my, friends mike and i and our friend libby have been watching the oscars together for like 30 years i started well, libby and i started please define I, together huh <laughs> please define together oh uh, yeah we the first time libby and i did was in i think it was 1989 with the infamous rob lowe snow white dance number uh, I was in Minnesota, Libby was here, and she called me on the phone saying, did you just see what I just saw? And we just ended up staying on the phone, talking about, through the, uh, about the Oscars for the whole night. And we started doing that every year. The second year, Mike joined us in a three-way call. Yeah. And for 30 years, we've been doing it either over the phone or with, via Skype. I believe we've been, all three of us, in the same place twice yeah. in all that time. Yeah, so... That we, we have a history, and quite honestly, watching the Oscars, if it was just me, I don't know if I would. It, it's more no. of a social thing. It's the three of us. It's just our thing. I find it's a great excuse for Chinese food. It is. It's a very <laughs> good excuse for Chinese food and making fun of making fun of people. 
Yes, quite, yeah, there's that. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just want to go back quickly to the musical numbers. What about, one of the ones that just kind of threw me was, and now here's Eminem. <laughs> like, well, and, what? Uh, and here's a song from, what, 18 years ago. Yeah, uh, and I'm glad they told me it was him, because he's not blonde anymore. Yeah, he looks know? very not, different. Not that he ever was, but he you know, yeah. pretended. Um, and he had, had like this homeless beard going on. Um, I don't know. I they, still don't know what that was supposed to be. And like, why did they why pick are, a song that they had to bleep like half the lyrics? I know. I thought we were having problems with the transmission. <laughs> oh no, that's right. It's rap. They do that. Um, and I can just swear I can just see the person sitting there on the, their fingers on a telegraph key, <laughs> cutting the song. You know, the sound in and out. Yeah. It's like, oh, here comes one of those words. Um, I I don't know. Like I don't. I mean, that song. I it was in a movie. Um, yeah, but I long, like, almost twenty years ago. I'm like, were they? Do they think? Uh, oh, you know, we need to, to appeal to the young people. They like that hippity hop music, right? We'll get one <laughs> of those hip, edgy young, young rap artists like Eminem. Like, yeah, um, yeah? yeah, that's sure from the '90s. I think that was a head scratch all all, yeah. all around. That was confusing. Why are you here? I don't <laughs> know. Although, to be fair, we just said that we'd like to have a host that gave that same impression. I want, who are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, you need to put a guard on that door, because they're letting anybody up on the microphone now. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't get it. I, you know, it's fine. People seem to like it. It's like, but, I mean, hey, let's get, oh, I don't know, uh, who has, who haven't we seen in 20 years? Hey, yeah. everyone, it's the original lineup for the Beach Boys. I, you know, whatever. Here, here's up with people. <laughs> Here's the new, new Christy Minstrels. Uh, ah! <laughs> hey, here's book. what's left of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, <laughs> for your listening pleasure. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, it. I didn't feel he was topical at all. Um, and it wasn't even a musical number that really had to do with anything. Except, you know, as we said, it, it, it was in a movie once. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good for him, I guess. Sure. I think we're supposed to like him, or I don't remember. I, I I can't I can't keep it straight if we're supposed to like him or be afraid of him. I know he. I, I, oh, I know why he was there because he and he and Elton John are friends. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like everyone keeps calling him homophobic, and Elton John has actually come to his defense a number of times, saying, "No, no, we're buds," and they're like been on stage and stuff. And I swear, uh, Eminem does not look comfortable, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I, but, right, I, 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 I guess that's a reason. But to have whatever. like a ten-minute musical number in the middle of oh. the Oscars, you know, I just figured out why. You said you already figured it out. No, I know, but I, I really did figure it out this time. Okay. So they're desperate to get people on the show because nobody wants to do the show. He was the first uh, one who answered. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I don't oh, know. I just dear. made it up, but uh, that, it seems. I likely, wouldn't be surprised. It? It's factual because I say so. Don't dispute me. Yeah. No. Right. Well, speaking of the rest of the show, let's talk about the actual all nine best picture nominees. Which, by the way, I still I still think that's silly. When they were like, "Okay, we're going to." We're going to expand the number of Best Picture nominees so that more pop films can get in, like that Batman movie. <laughs> yeah. So um, are you yeah. trying to say that you think that sometimes there might be some films that were nominated for Best Picture that, um, let's see how to put this, are more chaff than others? Yeah, I think they're they're throwing in things that's like, whoa, yeah, the kids like this one. Maybe they'll watch if we... And But look at the ones they picked. I know. I this mean, is a weird year. Here, because Scotch knows all the all the young people I hear talking in the coffee shop are all about the Irishman. <laughs> oh no, I, I you know the kids I'm hearing they're talking about Little Women and Marriage oh, Story. Oh eh? cripes, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh sure. Because it's got those little the little women. Can you say that anymore? The little women is that what they like? <laughs> well, no, they prefer women of diminutive stature. Oh, okay, then they should yeah. retitle that picture because it's going to offend everyone, yeah, you know. Let's get a Whovian sketch, everyone. <laughs> hey, I've been there yep, once. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Uh, so, hey, how do you want to do this? Well, why don't we just go through them alphabetically? All right. Which actually works out kind of nicely because it puts uh, the winner at the end. Oh, Shh, spoiler. tell everyone. <laughs> so let's start off, off with uh, that famous date movie, literally 1917, <laughs> which was obviously about the uh, presidential term of Woodrow Wilson. Now, as we know, in w Wilson's later term, Edith Galt was running the country for the most part. 
I, I, I got this wrong, didn't I? Yes. Yeah. When Wilson was in Egypt's land, <laughs> let, let my, my Wilson, Wilson go. go. Yeah. Uh, so, 1917, no, World War One movie, famously done at least to simulate all being done as one long tracking shot. And I don't mind that it was simulated because no, it still was an amazing yeah. uh, effect. So you uh, you went to see more of these than I did, and I know you did yeah. see this film. Going into it, mm-hmm. did you know much about it? I knew almost nothing. I knew it was about World War One. I. I knew some stuff from the trailer. I knew that, like, okay, they're guys off trying to save some people who are about to run into the jaws of death of the enemy. I, I also remember thinking as I'm watching the movie, oh, he's going to go stop them, for, he's going to go save them for probably about a week, week and a half, because then... <laughs> They're also they're going to just do some other stupid attack and all got get killed. Uh, I mean, I, I have to say, I, it was one of the things I kind of liked about the movie was it really pointed out militarily how stupid so much of trench warfare was in World War One and how mindless it was just get tens of thousands of people being killed over thirty feet of ground. Yeah. So. You went in, you were like, oh, it's a war movie. This is actually how I approach it. It's like, ugh, I was trying to see all the nominations. This was the first one I saw, and I'm like, yeah. ugh, war movies. I don't like war movies in general. This is World War One, which I'm getting, oh boy, I hope we get to see lots of mustard gas, because that's always fun. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I was blown away. I was not expecting to enjoy this film at all. And I came away, and, you know, spoiler alert, this was my choice for Best Picture. Uh, and I did not see all the nominees, but I really liked this film. I'm glad that they won Oscar for Best Cinematography, because they really deserved it. Um, I have seen this trick before done badly. I'm looking at you, Alfred Hitchcock. Rope drove me nuts, because the film, not only was it one cut, but the film, the camera really does not move much. It's sort of... Stops on two people, and they talk, and then when they stop talking, it goes and looks at two other people. And it doesn't really do anything fluidly, and it doesn't do anything organically. The way this whole single-shot thing works is they pretty much figured out where people were going to want to look, and that's where the camera looks. So I never felt like, what's going on over there? I want to see what's over there, because the camera would always turn over there. And there are times when characters in this film would literally fall off a cliff into a raging river, and the camera would go with them. (laughs) And I was sitting there thinking, I don't know how you made this. How is this possible? And there is a large cast, and there's a small cast. It's really a very focused film. And I cared about what happened to that very small cast. I don't want to say more than that because it'll give something away. I will say, I think that this is a film that if you didn't see it in a theater, you're going to lose out a lot because the impact of this film is very visual and being immersed in that big screen makes a difference. But I really liked this film. The acting was really good all around. The visuals are amazing. I believed it. Um, When I saw some of the making of afterwards, it's like, you did that, really? Wait, how is this trench next to a parking lot? I, I, you pulled back. There was no parking lot. How did you do this? Um, yeah, well, no, I, I really liked it. Yeah, this was the one that won the best picture at the Golden Globes. A yeah. lot of people thought this was going to win best picture, mm. and I enjoyed it too. I don't think I was as blown away by by it as you were because I've seen a lot of war movies, and uh, apart from the clever tracking shot, uh, it didn't really bring anything new to me. Uh, oh, the one thing I was happy for is we haven't had a lot of World War One movies. A lot of people are, uh, you know, cinematically we're forgetting about it, and I think that's bad. I think this is good that would it brings it brings it back in. It's because World War One. I, I can see why they don't do as many movies. It's not as cut and dried as World War Two. I mean, sure the enemy were the Germans, but you didn't have Nazis. There wasn't this like profound, overwhelming evil. It was just it was politics and it was uh, military strategy. And again, it was one of it was a massively stupid setup in a lot of cases, but I thought it, I thought it was really well done. I thought it's a long movie, but it doesn't feel long. I think it moved no. along very well. So yeah, yeah, I liked it all. I liked it. I would not have given it best picture because again, I would. I, I just I'd seen that before. The thing I liked though is that while it did not hit you over the head with it, it definitely left you with the you know war is really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. And you could tell that a lot of the people in it really had no idea why, why, why they were there. Um, 
They gave and a they, re- they gave a real they gave a really good sense of the soldiers just being exhausted and sitting. I don't know why we're doing this. I don't yeah. know that this seems really dumb, and I am so sick of all the noise and all the death and watching all my friends die. Yeah. So, and and it, and it wasn't even that depressing either. Yeah. It was sad, but it wasn't like, oh my god, I think ah, you know. It was. It did its job very well. So I recommend it, even if you're not a war movie fan, because I'm yeah. not. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. So what's next? Next is Ford versus Ferrari in Superior Court. In the Iron Cage, only <laughs> one gets out alive. Yeah. No, no. This was, uh, which is the story of when, uh, what the heck year was it? Sixty three. No, something like that. 65, 61, whatever. In the 60s, Ford decided they wanted to make, in effect, a sports car, a racing car. Racing car difference. Yeah, and and of course, Ferrari was the dominant force in race cars, especially in the legendary race Le Mans, or Le Mans, or however you pronounce it. (laughs) Lemons. Lemons. So in Lemons, they had won, like, what, the last three or four in a row, and they were invincible, and Ford decided they wanted to win, so they got this... uh, uh, Basically, independent automaker, what's his name? Uh, something Shelby. Well, Carol Shelby, Carol who was Shelby. the only American who had ever raced and won the Le Mans. Uh-huh. And uh, after, after, what was it? An, he had an injury and he couldn't drive anymore. He couldn't race yeah, anymore. Heart, heart issue, yep. Yeah, and uh, they Ford decides he's the guy to help them build the ultimate racing car. Uh, which was some, I don't know, some piece of junk nobody ever drove afterwards. The, Ed, the I think it was the Edsel. Yes, it was the Edsel that ran. In <laughs> no, it was it was the Ford F one fifty. That's what it was. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Now, uh, I, I what was it? Was the Mustang? It was the PT Cruiser. PT. <laughs> that's it. The PT Cruiser. No, honestly, I don't remember the number. I, I should. I've seen it many times. They oh, actually it was the GT remade it something or other. Yeah, yeah Ford GT is just yeah. the Ford. And GT. Uh, you know, this is not a spoiler because this is history. You know, they won. But we win, yay! But uh, and and about how they brought in uh, th- this uh, sort of maverick driver played by Christian Bale uh, to do the driving, and uh, it's the story of building the car and uh, getting into the race and going through the vicissitudes of prejudice against Americans. And it's sort of an underdog story, although it's really kind of hard to see Ford Motor Company as the underdog. Yeah. Uh, hey. Yeah, anyway, yeah. that's the plot, basically, and it's got sort of. Matt Damon in it. Yeah, Matt, it's, uh, yeah, the stars are Matt Damon and Christian Bale, who I thought worked really well together. Uh, I like this movie. I thought it was, it's a fun race movie. Uh, I'm not into cars, I'm not into racing, but I got excited and I got invested in it. Uh, it's kind of by the numbers. You can see where a lot of it's going. But I'm going to say it's a little bit more than kind of by the numbers. Uh, I felt that this was a finely crafted Hollywood film, capital H, capital F. It does uh, really feel like a Hollywood movie. Yes. It, but, I didn't find anything surprising. Um, I liked Matt Damon's accent to start, but it started to drift away. Um, strangely, I didn't trust Christian Bale's, even though it's the closest he's got <laughs> to his real accent ever in a film, as far as I know, uh, since Henry V. Um, and it's like, ah, British, I don't know. Mm, I don't think it really fits. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Who's this guy fine? trying to fool, trying to make us think he's English? Gosh. Yeah. Uh, Christian Bale's fine. I'll watch Christian Bale in nearly anything. Not anything, but nearly anything. But yeah, I, the guy who's the villain, I, he just felt too convoluted. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. I kind of don't care. Um, the most of the film was fine. Uh, the racing scenes I thought were actually pretty breathtaking. I have no idea if there was actually any cars at any point, if it was just CG. But I I found the racing scenes very well shot and very well cinematographic. Uh, <laughs> filmed. Uh, cinemat- yes, filmed. <laughs> But otherwise, uh, yeah, yeah. I, this is to me this is not a film that I thought yeah. should have even been nominated. This it was, was fine. This was a competent movie, but no, it was not Best Picture. No, I, I didn't know. Yeah, which moving uh, on, moving on, which brings us to Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi's movie. Waititi, are you ever going to stop doing that? Only if you stop saying Waititi. <laughs> I don't say it like that. <laughs> Waititi. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, yeah. This yes. This was his mo- his movie. Which uh, takes place in the le- in the end times of uh, World War Two from the German side. This uh, this movie I gotta give it points for originality. First of all, it's about a kid who's in the Hitler Youth, and we like the kid. And I don't know how he did that. It's, it's about a little boy. He's like I don't know, 
10 or 11 or, or so, you get the feeling he's just on the cusp of adolescence. Uh, in we don't know where it's some town. I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not Berlin, but it's some German town or, or a very small city. And he's in the Hitler Youth, and he's trying to be a good little Nazi. Not really because he understands any of it, because you know he's a child. But he likes the outfits, and he likes the for some reason he's really into swastikas. And he has an imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, <laughs> who is played by Taika Waititi, and does Waititi. something I have never seen in a movie. He made Hitler goofy. Okay. I, I mean, Hitler is funny in this. He's silly. He's very much a child's imaginary friend. It's very believable that way. And uh, his mother, who is played brilliantly in a rather small part by Scarlett Johansson, who I, I think she should have gotten uh, Best Supporting at least for that, uh, is very quietly in what is clearly in the resistance, trying to undermine the Nazis, uh, which with some rather tragic consequences. And to his horror, Jojo, he's called Jojo Rabbit because at one point he runs away from... He, the, when he is off at Nazi day camp. There's no other <laughs> word for it. And they they try to get him to do something horrible and he won't do it. He runs away and they call his name is Jojo and they call him Jojo Rabbit. Uh, and he discovers that his mother is hiding a young Jewish girl, teenager, in their house. And the movie is about his relationship with this girl who, you know, first off, he thinks she's using her mind control powers on him and she wants to, he wants to know where her horns are and if she has her tail curled around one of her legs. Okay. And, yeah, and it has some really odd performances, like Sam Rockwell is in it as the, uh, I, th I think he's either Luftwaffe or regular army. He's not um, Gestapo or SS. Uh, but he's in charge of the day camp because he's lost an eye in battle and he's not fit for combat anymore. And Rebel Wilson is in it as one of the... Cats! Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> and it's very strange, and it did not was not what I expected. And I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really well done. And I did not say... Really, you have, a, you have a movie where Adolf Hitler is a character and I'm not offended. How is this possible? And it, hmm. I, I think it was really well done. Uh, it's, what was it? In fact, not your choice for best picture. Um, in retrospect, I, I think it was up there. Yeah, I don't know if it really was better, say, than 1917 in terms of the way it was made. But I enjoyed it. One of the most. I think that's the one I enjoyed the most of all of them. So yeah, okay. that would have been my pick. I didn't see it. So moving <laughs> on. <laughs> and then we come to Mike's favorite film of the last 25 <sighs> years, The Joker. Hate, hate, hate Peter Pan! <laughs> yeah, Mike, you really didn't like this movie. I did not. And I struggled because I hated it going into the film. I did not want to see this film. I did not want to see Joaquin Phoenix, Jared Letoing around. Uh, I did not like the feel of it. I did not like the previews. I was going to avoid it. And then I came up with this idea of seeing all the nominations. And so I made myself fault, watch yeah. it. I, we don't need to go into the plot uh, <laughs> because it actually has no bearing on any of the Batman mythology because they just made everything new up. Yeah. So uh, it's basically a descent into madness. It's watching this already nutbag guy uh, descent go from mild psychosis to full blown mental breakdown into a homicidal lunatic. Yeah, and it's supposed to be a known cartoon villain yeah, it's supposed to be um, the most famous batman villain of all time the joker and so now we have to deal with his daddy issues and now we have to deal with all the stuff that we never really wanted to know about anyway and the biggest problems i have with this film are number one it can't decide what it wants to be yeah. and by that i mean it can't decide if it wants to be a comic book movie or not the people who made it were like we want to show that comic book movies are cinema too and it's like no you're not because every time Anything to do with Batman pops up, yeah. it feels goofy. It and feels it very you out of place. It really takes yeah. you out of the movie. Oh, oh, look, there's Thomas Wayne. What? Wait a minute. Huh? And uh, oh, and there's Gotham. There's Bruce Wayne. And well, yeah. wait, what? Uh, what we were just talking about? Yeah, it doesn't fit at all. No. And when they no. try to do that, it's jarring and it takes you out. No. One thing I will say. I mean, the, I didn't hate this movie as much as Mike did. I understood what what some of the fuss was about. I thought um, Joaquin Phoenix did a terrific job. I thought he did an amazing job portraying mental illness 
and the progression of it. The problem was they kept throwing weird stuff in there where suddenly it's supposed to be, oh yes, and also this is why he hates the Wayne family and just retconning the hell out of it, never mind the chronology. It's like, wait a minute, wait, so the Joker is what, 30 years older than Bruce Wayne? So Batman spends his life beating up a middle-aged man? Wait a minute. (laughs) And they're half-brothers? Maybe, yeah, that that, that was just... And you could see that coming, by the way. You could see that coming a mile off. I just... So, Descent into Illness, whatever. The problem is, is that there's supposed to be a normal portion of this film where he's more or less able to make it through society. And the problem is, is you realize there is nobody that would talk to this guy at the level of nuts nuttiness that he is. They have him as a job. He's a clown. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, nobody would hire this guy. There's nobody that would work with him. There's, there's not a kid's party. There's not a person who hates children enough that (laughs) would hire him as a clown. Um, it's the same problem I had with Jack Nicholson in The Shining. At the beginning of the movie, we're supposed to think that this is a normal guy. I'm sorry, it's Jack Nicholson. He's always cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, <laughs> and I don't see why Shelley uh, Duvall would have married him, but whatever. Um, I think he overdid it. Yeah. Yes, he may have portrayed mental illness in certain ways that we haven't seen before. I think he gave it his all for me. He was Daniel day Lewising all over the place. It was just too much. The other, um, the, the big problem for me is also the message of the movie is really, or the tone is really disturbing. We're supposed, I mean, I get the feeling we're supposed to sympathize with him, that we're supposed yes. to think of him as a kind of anti-hero. And honestly, that's really friggin' disturbing because and he's not, he's not, there's no, I don't, I didn't find him sympathetic at all. I've no, I didn't know. He, he rebels against Johnny Carson, really. It's like, that was okay. one of the weirdest casting choices. He, there's a talk show host who is very clearly, as Mike says, supposed to be Johnny Carson, played by Robert De Niro. <laughs> now, De Niro, and we'll get to him in the next movie, is a, is a brilliant actor. He's one of the great actors mm. of the last hundred years. I'm sorry. I know we disagree on that. I think he's amazing. No, no, but he was wrong he for this been. part. I think he was wrong I for think- this part. I think De Niro has been a great actor. I just don't think he's shown us in a long time. He just gives us De Niro, and that's it. Um, there's been a, some amazing performances, but but I can't remember the last one I saw. Yeah. Um, this is not one of them. I mean, they might as well have just hired Chris Rock and said, and Johnny Carson, because he was as much Johnny Carson as, as uh, Robert De Niro. Or, uh, heck, hey, Meryl Streep, she could have played Johnny Carson. <laughs> well, it wasn't literally hey. Johnny Carson. Honestly, Chris Rock, I think, would have been better. Chris Rock... I would believe Chris Rock is a talk show host. I don't believe yeah. Rob, Robert De Niro. Because Robert a talk show host is supposed to make you feel comfortable. Robert De Niro just frightens people. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. I don't want a talk show host who I'm afraid will, if I say something, I want to lean over and smack me. Yeah. Which so leads me, us into the next well, one. Well, wait, wait. Yeah. For, for the Joker, the reason, again, the tone is weird. I don't yeah. know what the message is. I personally didn't think the act, I thought the acting was a little bit too much. And it messes with the entire source material there is nothing in here that is mirrored in source material for See, batman i don't object so, to that if they did it better if they made something interesting and i don't think yeah. they did but yes the next film the next film is, which is technically out of order yeah yeah true is <laughs> as i actually got the alphabet wrong here yes you did but you see, this movie is so long that it actually slid down the list two spots. It's The Irishman, the Netflix movie, one of the two net movies on this list that are just we're just we're shown on Netflix and in the theaters for 5 minutes. The Irishman, the story of Lucky the Lucky Charms leprechaun and his trip over from the old country to make it big in America. No, it's it's, it's Martin Scorsese's latest with his Rogues Gallery you got you got all the hits you know you've got uh, you got de niro you got pacino you got uh, uh, harvey keitel you've got joe pesci joe pesci you've got ray romano for some reason that who actually i thought did a really nice job but i was like why why is he here that's strange huh. but he did a good job and and you know, Anna, and you know, Anna Paquin, who has i think two lines in the whole movie which is about as many as any female character does well, it is a Scorsese film. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Did I say that out loud? Yeah, yeah Scorsese <laughs> does seem to have a little trouble with his female characters. This movie is three and a half hours long, and I'm sorry, it kind of feels it. It's very long. It's good. I, I mean, it's interesting, but if you have seen any two or three other Scorsese movies, you have seen this movie. 
This is nothing yeah. new. It's it's. So I have to ask. They're all Italian. Who's the Irishman? De Niro is supposed to be the Irishman. I, Seriously. And if they didn't tell you, you wouldn't know. And if okay. you didn't hear his name being as an Irish last name, you know, he sound, he's not... Although I, I have to say, Al Pacino shifts his voice a bit as Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa, I don't think was Irish. I don't know what he was. Probably Germanic. Uh, he did a decent job as, as Hoffa. He's just not in it as much. There are some really good performances. There are some good parts. It moves along okay, although you do feel the length. I just... This is nothing new. Yeah. And that's the problem I have with De Niro. He was... I just don't think he needs to... He's 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 coasting. Some of his early performances, dear God's Raging Bull. And that's Scorsese, too. Raging Bull is an amazing film. Yeah. And what De Niro put himself through for that role... Taxi Driver. Uh, Terrific yep. film and a, an amazing... I mean, that's an iconic performance. The character Travis Bickle, that's what everybody quotes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see The Irishman. I didn't have time. Uh, Scorsese... Nobody had time, again, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, early films, I definitely... There's some of them I definitely recommend. His later films, I mostly... It's like, oh, here's another film with Leo miscast in it. Until we get to... This is one of our earliest episodes. Until we get to Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. A film about really horrible people... That was done very well. Yeah, really I well actually, I, I hate to say I like it, <laughs> but I, I think it was well done because I don't want to see it again. It's not pleasant. <laughs> no, but it's not supposed to be. No. Then we move to women of diminutive stature. <laughs> A.K.A. Little Women, I think the right. fifth film adaptation and Lord knows how many TV adaptations, including at least one anime. Uh, right, huh? There is an anime Little Women. Oh, I bet that one sticks real close yeah. to the source material. Oh, sure. And <laughs> this was singing? this was directed by Greta Gerwig, who uh, won for Lady Bird. Okay, as a terrific director. Uh, we we also know someone who was in it. Our our, our friend and Herr Halbwitz, not his real name, but he he was an extra in this movie. He's in a couple mm. of scenes, uh, and really that's why the movie I think the movie got nominated. It's because he's in it? Because he's in it. Because he, oh, he just okay. he carried the whole movie. <laughs> a friend uh, of ours is an extra. That's why it's okay. <laughs> hey, it's, it's my head cannon. Respect it. Uh, I want to set that off. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now, now, to be fair, if I remember correctly, you, you were not a huge fan of this particular interpretation. No. Uh, it's okay. I thought it was nice. It looked pretty. Uh, I thought Saoirse Ronan was terrific as Joe. But boy, talk about... There are two actresses in this, her and Hermione Grange. I'm sorry, Emma Watson. <laughs> she will. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She. I just always think of her as Hermione, who are you know British and doing American accents. And when Saoirse Ronan does an American accent, you forget she's British. I mean, you just do. You completely buy it. Emma Watson can do it okay, but it's very clearly an, an English woman doing an American accent. Is it that American accent where we don't know where in America she's from? No, they, she tries to get a little of old New England in there. Doesn't quite pull it off, but gets close. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the performances are good. Uh, they, they, they push a little more feminism in there than I think is in the source material. Although the subtext of the source material, I think it's there. And it certainly was there in Louisa May Alcott herself. But... Also, the costumes are are kind of anachronistic. They're just things that they didn't wear in that in that era in New England in the nineteenth century. I thought it was okay. I I didn't think it was best picture quality. I so did, this is one of the chaff movies. I think it's a little more chaff. Although, again, I don't know how many people went and saw this. I don't know how successful this was. Well, it was, this was on Netflix, so they didn't. No, no, this go. wasn't. This was not Netflix. This was in the theater. Oh no, that's Marriage Story. That's yes, Marriage Story. That's, that's the next one, Marriage yeah. Story. Which, um, because of Is political political reasons, we are not going to discuss because we profoundly object to the message. Wait a minute. And the, uh, no, no. Wait, and, wait, and wait, the director, no, wait, wait, wait. You didn't see it either, did you? Not as such, no. <laughs> so it's safe to say that Marriage Story was a film. It was Moving a film. On. <laughs> yeah, sorry, folks. We just didn't see it. I honestly, it looked too depressing. It had Adam Driver in it, didn't it? Yeah, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson and Laura Dern, who picked up uh, Best Supporting Actress. You know, good for her. Cool. But 
Yeah, yeah so sorry, that we one we're just sort of skating over. And then we get you to know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a <laughs> yeah. film. Oh. oh, I thought you were going to tell me a story. Uh, no, because I didn't see it. No, right. You didn't, <laughs> and I hey, did. This, this is me skirting yet another Tarantino film because uh, yeah. I really the, don't like Tarantino. Despite the fact you've seen more than half his films. Well, if he keeps making them, that, that fraction goes down. <laughs> well, supposedly Actually, he's not, only going to make ten and then retire. He's made eight, right? Nine. This was number nine. Then I have not seen even half of his films. I've seen Reservoir Dogs, I saw Jackie Brown, and I saw Kill Bills 1 and 2. That's four. That's that's not half. That's <laughs> almost. Uh, I like this movie a lot. Uh, first off, I love movies about older Hollywood, about the history of Hollywood. And this is Hollywood in the 60s. This is one of Tarantino's alternate history movies. Where know? there's lots of feet. <laughs> well, that's all of his movies. Yes, a lot of feet. A lot of women's bare feet. Tarantino has a foot fetish. We know this. It's just sort of a given you move through it. A lot, a lot of, you know, period-appropriate music. Uh, and I got to say some really superb performances by, by your best friend, Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> he did a great job. He really did. And Brad Pitt, who really surprised me. I didn't expect him to be that good, and he really is. And uh, this is a movie about... Oh, boy. <laughs> it's actually a little hard to describe. It's... Uh, Leo DiCaprio plays a fading Western star who's still desperately trying to hold on to his career. Brad Pitt's like his best friend. He was his stunt double for years. And this is set again the backdrop of the Manson family because it turns out Leo's character lives next door to Sharon Tate, who uh, who was at the time uh, involved with Roman Polanski and... Uh, Famously, was murdered by the Manson family. Not Polanski, Polanski, unfortunately, but Ms. Tate was. Yeah. Except, well, it's a spoiler, but you know this is an alternate history. She doesn't in this. Uh, He changes history. Don't they just literally the, the two mains show up and just beat the crap out of? Yeah, uh, they, they 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 kill the Manson family. They don't. I don't think Charlie's there because he. I don't think he was. He sent you know his minions. Oh. But uh, but the little yellow guys from uh, yeah that's right <laughs> just yeah. me banana banana <laughs> yeah but that'd be a retelling wouldn't it <laughs> that, that really that would be a, that would be a really the hit. Sharon Tate story starring the minions from Despicable Me <laughs> wow that would be different yeah yeah it, okay, it's very Hollywood, odd there's you, your... like Bruce Lee shows up in one scene uh, no that, he's dead it, well not not at that point he wasn't uh, when they made this film oh yes he oh when they made the idea. film when the yes yeah. when the film takes place. Uh, that that was unfortunately one of the most unbelievable parts of the movie because he gets basically into an argument with Brad Pitt about different fighting styles and he's talking about how Bruce Lee is saying he could have beaten up Muhammad Ali, which I'm sorry is probably true. And he well, gets in a fight with Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt almost beats him up. No. Yeah, I'm like, no, sorry. No. No. And Brad Pitt has this very strange character. We don't know a lot about him, except that he may or may not have murdered his wife. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, It's but it's really well done. The stuff with the Manson family is really creepy, and appropriately so. And uh, I, I liked it. I, I, I don't think it was best picture, but I wouldn't have cried if it had won. Hmm. I would have, but I didn't see it. Yeah, I thought so, also a long one, but moved along very nicely. And again, I, I, all the cars and the outfits—it was—it really—it gave the look of '60s Hollywood. Mm. And that brings us to the winner, *Parasite*, South- a horror film. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, the film about it—the film about a young Lamprey who wants more <laughs> for his family. <laughs> I honestly thought this was a horror film. So I did knew I. Nothing about it. <laughs> Like ah, I don't want to see that. Ugh. Yeah, because um, I mean the 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 oh lord, what's his name? Bong Ho. What's his last? Oh name? please, I'm not even going to try because I'll just murder it. Yeah. Uh, whatever. It is not a film of it's the parasite Sorry, Bong, meaning Bong Ho. It's not. It is not. In, it's well. It's kind of a thriller, but it's that's one of the things about it. It's yeah. kind of hard to categorize. The movie takes a rather sudden, strange turn a little more than halfway through. It's yes, it does. about. Well, it's about a family. It's in, it takes place in South Korea. I think we're supposed to recognize the city, but I don't. Hmm. I don't think it was Seoul, but I, I, I have no idea. And it's a, a family of, a very poor family, of basically of grifters, people who are trying to game the system. 
All of them. The mother, the father, two uh, son and daughter, and they kind of through odd circumstances latch on to this really rich family, and through deception and cleverness, it starts off with the uh, the son gets hired as an English tutor, and then the father manages to get himself hired as a chauffeur. The mother becomes hired gets hired as a uh, uh, housekeeper, and the daughter gets hired as what is it the the art teacher. Manny? Oh, the art teacher. That's art therapist. Art therapist. Yes. Art therapist. Yes, for the son who's cuckoo for cocoa pops. No, he's a little. Uh, the kid's a little unusual. Yeah, I don't think he's, it's not like he's mentally ill. He's just you know no. different. He's, un, he's a little, an iconoclast or some such. The kid, you get the he, feeling he'd be all right. I think he suffers from rich people syndrome. Yeah, it's quite possible. <laughs> yeah, and you, the question is, who who is the parasite? Is it the rich people? Is it the poor people? Well, I don't think there was a question as to who the parasite was. How are the rich people parasites? Uh, the idea of being parasites on society. But yeah, it's pretty clear that the poor people latch onto them and drain their substance. And then it gets really weird. Yeah, and we, I'm not going to describe... We shouldn't describe that part because that no. really gives away a major plot point. This movie, I don't know. I I had a problem with this winning. I'm sorry. I did too. I, I I don't know if this makes me racist or nationalistic or what, but well, if, this doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. America. Um. Yeah. I I did too, and it was all to do with the making of the film. I the, the subtitles didn't bother me. I've watched tons of films and subtitles. Yeah. The fact that it was in Korea didn't bother me. I didn't care about that. And I'm even willing to go. You know, there's some parts of this that probably don't make sense to me because. There is a cultural divide, and different cultures tell stories in different ways. But for me, the tone of this movie is all over the place. It starts off as, quite honestly, a farce. And that's the way it feels, and it's funny, and I enjoy it. And then suddenly it's not funny anymore. Yeah, it suddenly turns, it's about, takes a very dark turn. Very dark. And it ends there. Um, you know, I won't say how, because some people, you know, some maybe it's a black humor sort of thing. I don't know, but uh, it it didn't feel consistent to me. The performances, as far as I could tell, were fine. Um, there's always trouble judging when you don't understand the language, but there was nobody I didn't believe. Yeah. Um, I did think that the characters were a little bit. Um, what's the word I want? Uh, their archetypes, cliches. Of a sort. Uh, I think that's too strong, uh. but they felt a little bit more like an archetype, and there wasn't a lot more than that. Like, oh, the, the wife is a high-strung, nervous, rich woman, uh. but we don't know anything about her background, nor do we guess about it. Um, I... My feeling is that what happened was people were split because a lot obviously the Joker was meant to be the big winner. It was nominated for, I think, eight awards. I think it was 11. Or was it 11? Whatever. So. And ended up winning like two. And thankfully, that's as far as it went. And they weren't any of the big ones. Except for except Best, Best Actor. Yeah. Um, I think what happened that 1917 won Best Picture in Golden Globes. And Joker was the favorite in Hollywood. I think the vote got split. Which is me just supposizing. Uh, suppo- suppo- uh, uh, Suppositorying? <laughs> Suppositorying, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, which may not be fair. I'm not saying this isn't a good film. I know people who really liked this yeah. film. I think it was well made. Um, they apparently built the house that this mostly takes place in, which is a, a great step to take. And I don't think that the director is a bad director by any means. I just, for me, and this might be a cultural thing, thought that the tone was just so out of whack. And that that big change of tone about three quarters of the two thirds away through the film I had a lot of trouble with. And for me, because it was inconsistent, I don't consider that as good filmmaking as some of the other films. Again, that might be cultural. Maybe that's how a lot of Korean films work. Maybe tone shift, we're we're picking it up wrong. I don't know. I just, I didn't enjoy it as much. I do think it was very well made. I thought the cinematography was great. From what I could tell, the performances were really good. And you can just get that from the vocal tone and the body language, the expressions. I thought they were really good. I thought the dialogue was really interesting, even if, yeah, I, mi- I know I missed some stuff. Yeah. But I, 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 if I had to pick, I would have, you know, I said would have said Jojo Rabbit, or I would would have been okay if uh, 1917 had won. Yeah. I, you know, do I care that it was a Korean film? No. Um, I'd be perfectly happy if any film won that I thought was worthy of it. I just, to me, this wasn't the best picture. I thought, the other thing I liked about 1917 is, to me, because of the way it was filmed, it was 
pushing some boundaries in Hollywood. This has been done before, but I don't think it's been done quite as well or as engulfing as this. But, uh, yeah. The, so The one thing I will say that I, w- I am glad to see is with, with Parasite, it shows a willingness in the Academy to open up a little bit and say, you know, we're talking about the... We're, the this is the award for the best picture of the year. Not the best American picture, but the, we're saying it's the best picture in the world. And I think it's kind of nice that they said, you know, maybe we should look at a picture from other part, another part of the world because we're a little bitty piece. And there's, you know, as I understand it, there's like other countries out there. Oh, pshaw. Yeah, so I, I yeah. like that. I think that's nice. It was I nice just, of them to include the world. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. It's like Thank this, you, Hollywood, for including the world. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in the past, I would have liked to see, you know, I don't know, uh, Kurosawa win Best Picture or or Fellini or Truffaut or one of those guys. But, yeah, I just, I like this movie. I just don't think it was the best one. Yeah. But, hey, that's our Oscar show. And uh, so you may have figured out by now, we lied. This was supposed to be a a different show entirely, and it's not. But next week we go back to the episode that we didn't post, which is uh, that episode whose name I forget. I I believe it is, in fact. Mike's choice for when we was kids, Captain Nemo and the Underwater City. So we hope you uh, enjoyed this. And if you hated what we said, you know, don't... Hate, don't hate the player, hate the game, or I don't know what. And what it really means is, you like me, you really, really like me. Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.